Life Audio. Welcome to the Homeschooling Families Podcast. I'm Leslie Nunnery, and I am so glad you're here. Abby Halberstadt is joining us today, and I know this conversation is going to be an encouragement to you. Abby is a happy wife, homeschooling mama to 10, best-selling author of M is for Mama and the upcoming Hard is Not the Same Thing as Bad. She's a fitness instructor and the reigning family nurse champion. She loves encouraging fellow moms to dig deep into the daily struggles of motherhood to discover that hard is not the same thing as bad. She, her husband, Sean, and their kids live in the piney woods of East Tennessee. Today, we're going to be talking about how God grows us, even in the midst of hard situations and a very dark, combative culture. We're also going to discuss how that can impact our families. You don't want to miss a minute, so stay tuned. Teach Them Diligently events and the media we're able to produce to serve families are made possible in no small part through the support of our partners. Today, I want to introduce you to one of them, Word of Life. If you attended Teach Them Diligently Round Rock or Pigeon Forge, you already got the chance to meet them and be blessed by their ministry as one of their worship teams joined us to lead in worship before our keynote sessions. If you're nearing graduation and wondering what the next step for your team may be, be sure to check out Word of Life. While there, your child can earn college credit while also building on the spiritual foundation you've given them for life. With a focus on discipleship and preparation, Word of Life is a great next step for homeschooled young adults. Request more information at teachthemdiligently.net forward slash W-O-L. Again, that's teachthemdiligently.net forward slash W-O-L. Before we dive in, I want to make sure that you've heard about my new book, Heart School. Heart School addresses how amazing parents use homeschooling to build strong families where children can excel academically, and it encourages parents to focus on what truly matters, our children's hearts. Inside of Heart School, you'll learn practical strategies that are easy to implement and will bring immense changes to your family. If you're a Christian parent desiring to raise children who love God and are prepared to walk through whatever door he opens for them in the days ahead, Heart School is for you. You can get a digital copy of this book for only $5 at teachthemdiligently.net forward slash book. And I sincerely encourage you to do so. I believe with all my heart that what I share there will be as helpful for your family as it's been for mine and David's as God has grown us all through the years. Hey, you guys, welcome back. I am very excited to welcome Abby Halberstadt, who you may know as M is for Mama, to the podcast today. Abby has a brand new book out that we're going to talk about and, you know, some of the reasons behind why she wrote it. We're going to get to all of that in a minute. But first, Abby, welcome to the Homeschooling Families podcast. Thanks for having me, Leslie. It's great to be here. Well, I am so glad that you are joining us. Can you tell us, for those who who aren't familiar with you, haven't met you yet virtually or at an event somewhere, you know, what what does your life look like? What is, you know, how is how has God worked in your family that's gotten you to this point? Yeah. Okay. So I am a very happy wife of a Renaissance man named Sean. 
he and I build a couple of houses together, meaning that he actually is, does the work and does the building himself. But he is a software developer. So that's why I call him a Renaissance man. He has the Brainiac software development side and then also is really good with his hands. We have 10 kids together, ages almost 17 down to two and a half. We have two sets of twins. Um, and I always say this, and anybody that listens to podcasts that I'm on regularly is like, I've heard this before, but if it's brand new information, people always gasp. And that is that both of our sets of twins were born on the same calendar day. Huh. They're all born on September 24th, and we just knock out four, four birthdays in one day. Wow. Which is amazing. Our girls, which are our older set of twins that are 10 years old, prayed really, really hard for their baby brothers to be able to come on their birthday because it was so close and the Lord made it happen. We live in East Texas. We call it the Piney Woods. It is the opposite of what a lot of people picture for Texas. There's no tumbleweeds and round stuff everywhere. And there there are cows, but we have some cowboys, but very green, rolling hills. We've lived here for, I've, I grew up here. My husband grew up in Pennsylvania and we lived here since we got married almost 18 years ago. So we had 10 kids in 14 years, including two sets of twins. I'm a second generation homeschooler. And so I knew from my experience that I wanted to homeschool my own kids. My husband went to a very little bitty public school in East Texas. I think he was the graduating valedictorian of 14 or something like that. <laughs> and so he was on board with trying it out, although he didn't have any personal experience with homeschooling. And now he is just fully on board, fully supportive, fully the homeschool dad and provider. And so I'm just so grateful to see he, it wasn't a huge perspective shift for him, but that he has not just been like, sure, we can try this. And now it's like, yes, this is what the Lord has for our family. So we've been doing that for the last 13 years. I'm about to graduate my oldest son, Ezra. Um, our ages are generally about two to two and a half years apart, except for my oldest and my youngest two, which are both 18 months apart. So we jammed those together. My youngest three, I should say, because my last set is twins. My two and a half year olds are both little boy identical twins. So I have a almost 17-year-old, 15-year-old, 12-year-old, two 10-year-olds, eight-year-old, six-year-old, four-year-old, and two two-and-a-half-year-olds. So as you can imagine, it is busy, busy. The Lord has given me the opportunity to write and speak, which I'm getting to enjoy a whole lot for the last 18 months or so since I published my first book last year. But I have been on the internet writing in some capacity for 12 years. So that's kind of the background that has led me to this point where I have some books being published and some speaking opportunities and podcasts and things like that, which is really cool. But I talk a lot about how he has had a plan for each stage of our marriage, each stage of my motherhood, each stage of my ministry. And he has grown that bit by bit by asking me to wait a lot okay. before he has ever said, yes, go now. And when he has said, yes, go now in the last three, four years since I signed my first book contract, it's been so evident that it's his hand working, not only in the circumstantial details that have fallen into place, but also in my husband's attitude toward it, where as we were kind of both hesitant, like, what would this look like for our family? He's been like, the Lord's working this out. We're going to make this work. There's been peace and there's been cohesion with each other in this process and not strife and chaos and disorder. So I'm just really grateful for that. It's been an interesting ride for the last 18 years. And the Lord has done all kinds of things that I never planned for him to do, including giving me two sets of twins, because we were very open handed with how many kids that we felt like we wanted the Lord to give us. It was like, you know, give us who you have for us. But I always prayed, just not multiples. And he was like, how about two sets <laughs> so far? Because we don't know if we're done having kids because the Lord hasn't told us that yet. And I still definitely could get pregnant. So that is not really a nutshell, but that is life up till now. Well, that is that. There were several things that you said that just really stuck out at me. The first thing, talking about your husband getting on board and how, 
You know, when you are unified in purpose and mission and thought and you're working together as a team, it makes all the difference in the world. And it really does. It's, it's so important to not allow yourself to get into a wrestling match or, you know, a tug of war over power and control because God leads families together. And we, yes. we've got to keep that in mind. And the other thing that you that you threw out that I really wanted to kind of key on and, and actually have you explain a little bit more about that was those seasons of waiting. How, you know, I talk to moms all the time who just have such a burden and a desire and so many gifts and talents and they just feel like they're laying dormant. You you miss the beauty of what you're doing in the season where you're waiting if all you're looking at is the the dream or whatever that you feel sure. like is laying dormant. And yeah. yet God teaches us so much through those seasons. And then the doors that he opens are so much different and better than anything we would have imagined because Absolutely. we see it firsthand that his ways are better and higher than our ways. Yes, just like it says in Isaiah 55. Absolutely. So I would like to encourage, and I mean, I still don't consider myself an older mom. I just turned 40 this year. I have two-year-olds. I have four-year-olds. But I know that I have been in this game for a lot longer than a mom that has a two-year-old and one-year-old and is 23, which is where I was 16 years ago, but 15 years ago. So I know that feeling and I know how I felt wanting to get a book published because I, I always say this. I'm a very pragmatic person. I'm not a dreamer. I'm very much so like, give me the next deadline. Give me the next task I need to be doing. Um, let me block out my days so that I can be productive, but also peaceful because I don't like feeling like I'm running around like a chicken with my hand cut off. And and the Lord has grown me in my self-discipline and my productivity in good ways for sure over the years. And I do have better time management than I used to, but I've always been fairly self-directed. So as a 25-year-old mama of two, and I always tell people, my hardest season of motherhood was when I quote unquote only had two kids and they were both really small because I had zero perspective. I had no idea what the Lord was going to use to grow me, that the, that they would ever get over the stages that they were in that were really hard, <laughs> the really, really hard potty training, which can really like mess with your sanity and the meltdowns and the not being able to buckle. You know, Texas heat is brutal. Just buckling car seats and try not to burn their little legs and sweat your face off in the middle of a Texas 103 degree <laughs> with 85% humidity, 85,000% humidity. Um, summer is just kind of a very small trial, but feels like a trial indeed when you're buckling four car seats, you know, and I, I really the only dream that I've ever consistently had that stayed with me has been publishing, has been having books in my name because I love to write and I always had when I was probably six, seven years old. So to see that the Lord did not literally allow that to come to full fruition until I was 39 years old, but that I was able to look back and go, oh, look. At that moment, you were preparing me for this. And then you gave me a little more confidence here. And you gave me a little bit more of a platform here. And you gave my husband more of a vision for it here. And I actually did, I have a podcast and I just did a podcast talking about the stages in life because I was at a speaking event and I had several people be like, I don't understand now you're here when you have 10 children and it, you're like, it, how do you have merch? How do you like, how do you do this? And they're just picturing it all happening. Like, boom, this just got dropped into your life. And that's really not how the Lord does it. And there were so many years. I remember when I was 31, I went to a blogging conference and I just changed my name to what it is now. I used to be a different name for my blog. And so I was changed to five uh, to uh, MS for Mama from Five Days, Five Ways. And I had all these agents that were like, that's a really remarkable name. Like you should send us an email, send us an email. And the Lord just so clearly told me no for a variety of reasons. 
circumstantially, lack of confidence, lack of clear vision for where I needed to be in the, in the message I needed to be conveying, my husband's hesitancy. And so at the time it felt discouraging, but now I'm so grateful because I have all of those things, the confidence, the circumstances, the support of my husband, and the peace that comes with all of those things falling into place because of the Lord orchestrating them instead of my forcing it. When I force things, things don't go well. Exactly. When it's clearly the Lord's leading, it's not always easy, but it's clear that it's right. After a short break, we'll be right back to talk even more about this. Yeah. Well, and God, God grows us so much. There are so many things that I look back and I think if I had written, you know, what I've written now five, 10 years ago, it would have been so much different because God has grown me so much. And he knows when he gets you to a point that sharing is, is proper. It's you're ready to, to pass on. And we've got to be really careful that we're not forcing things like you noted and getting stuff out there that's, that just hasn't, we haven't actually grown our way through because you're going to get questions about it. There's going to be pushback. There's going to be a lot of things that can happen that if you aren't mature enough in your own faith and your own walk, and even in what you're passing along, it can really do a lot of damage to, Amen. you know, you, yourself personally, as well as to your family, because as mama's kind of wounded, it, it impacts your others. Sure. Yeah, it really does. I agree. And there has definitely been some of that. There's definitely been opposition. There's definitely been criticism. Being on social media is no cakewalk. And the Lord, I say, has grown. I would say he's he's lessened my fear of man and he's grown thicker skin in me. And those are both good things. You don't want to become hard hearted, but you can't take every naysayer into account if they're not actually someone that's invested in your life and coming to you with a genuine concern from the word of God instead of simply a point of jealousy or a point of contention just because they want to be contentious. Yeah. Yeah. And and we were talking before we got on. We live in such a contentious world. The culture is is just angry. People are just poised to fight at all times. Yes. And as a believer, as a mom of many, as someone who God has blessed with a large platform on, you know, social media and these books and and all of these things that God has given you. I am confident that you, you're on the receiving end of a lot of that anger and bitterness and people don't express it in a loving and kind and gentle way. No, no, they don't. Something that I like to talk about a lot is the concept. And again, another thing. So when I do my podcasts or my blog post or what I, when I microblog on Instagram, a lot of times I'm responding to questions and concerns that I get in this Q and A that I do every Wednesday called What Do You Want to Know Wednesday? Because it's so, it's such a cool thing to have your fingers on the pulse of motherhood culture, on the pulse of homeschooling culture, or just schooling culture in general, because they're asking you the same questions. You see these right. themes start to emerge. And so when I do my podcast or I blog, I'm responding to these things because I see the felt need. And so I feel like I kind of get to cheat because I, people ask me these hundreds of questions every week. And I'm like, okay, this is what people want to know. And something that I see as a theme over and over again that we have to do as Christians is we have to train ourselves to be unoffendable. Mm-hmm. Like we cannot take the criticism to heart. We have to eat the meat and spit out the bones. So I have an entire podcast on the art of being unoffendable. And it's not that I am there. It's kind of like Paul says, you know, it's not that I have been perfected or have arrived. I will keep getting offended till the day I die, probably. But I am less and less likely to take someone's 
unwarranted criticism to heart and dwell on it and mull over it and have it affect my mood so much that it then trickles over into my family. Yeah. And I used to be because, goodness, the more we practice the right things, the more they come a little more easily, the less we have to fight as hard to be to be a little tougher, you know? And and then on the flip side, when I talk about that, I get so many Christian mamas who are like, thank you for the reminder, because I think I've gotten sucked into the culture of uncivil discourse where I can sit behind a screen and immediately tap out my response being, you know, just whatever shot out of my brain. Yeah. Which we don't do this in person. We just don't. We don't look at someone's eyes and tell them, you're an idiot. I can't believe you did this. What is wrong with you? And if we do, we are isolated. Like we're ostracized. No one's going to, no one's going to take that, you know, in real life. So we have to, as believers, keep in mind that Peter calls us to give an answer with gentleness and respect. And that, that last line of that being ready to give an answer for our faith is perhaps the most crucial of all of it. If we're just ready to fire back at everybody all the time, but we're always doing it in a combative and uncivil way, no one's ever going to hear us. And we want to be heard. We want to be light and we want to be a voice in the darkness and to ears that aren't hearing other things. So it's so crucial. Well, it is. And I found through the years that part of it is the maturity in myself, the way that I am able to to absorb and to, you know, kind of the, the thick skin that you talked about. But another thing that I think that God does as you are growing and as you are seeking his face and and seeking to build his kingdom and not your own, which is another another big point here, because if we're just building our own kingdom, then all of this is personal. Yes. But as we are building his kingdom and not our own, we're able to look with a lot more compassion. God has given me so much more compassion than I had 10 years ago where, you know, I would get that kind of criticism and, you know, I could feel my blood boil. You know, I'm ready to shoot right back. Wow. And now there's a grief for, you know, the hearts and the hurts and, and what is, what is really what you're seeing kind of the, the anxiety even when you yes. just see just this over, this bubbling over from others. And I think that that's another way that God is so merciful and so gracious and he grows people even through difficult times. Absolutely. That's beautiful. I agree completely. Well, and that kind of moves us right into your new book, which is you, you've entitled it hard is not the same thing as bad. Uh-huh. And I would love to know why you have called it that and kind of what is your heart behind this? Sure. So, and again, I keep referencing the podcast, but I feel like that's kind of where my method of communication, I just did a podcast on this. So I know we can't talk about it for 35 minutes like I did on the podcast, but in a nutshell, when the Lord decided to give me my first set of multiples, I already had three children. They were our numbers four and five. I had already gone through that really hard season in my life where I had two kids and they really weren't doing anything for themselves. And it felt so constant and so needy and so touched out. And I know all the young moms can relate if you're in that stage only. And then I actually had a three-year gap because of a miscarriage. And then we had our third and she is just our chillest, most easygoing, cheerful, (laughs) just happy. I have three girls and they're right in the middle. So she's our first daughter. And then we had the babies, Evie and Nola, and they were pretty easy newborns. They were pretty cheerful, the young toddlers. And then right before they hit three, they lost their minds as toddlers are wont to be. <laughs> but there were two of them and they really, 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 really went off the emotional deep end. And all of this training that I've been doing with my first three, all of this consistency, all of this follow through, all of this reading the Bible with them, it just didn't feel like it was quote unquote working. And the Lord was just dragging me through kind of the emotional depths of what it's like to be 
I wouldn't say at the mercy of a toddler's emotions, but at the very least having to take them into consideration constantly for getting in the car, for driving in the car, for getting ready to go anywhere, for eating food, for getting on shoes, sensory issues and regulation issues and all the things that like I said, times two. So it felt like the screaming was just, you know, in stereo constantly. And by the time they were that age, I'd had my sixth baby. So I was having a, ba- a newborn to take care of. And it just was a lot. And it took about a year and a half to really kind of start to see some light at the end of that crazy histrionic toddler tunnel. And as I was walking with my best friend who does the illustrations in my books, her name is Lindsay. We would walk the trails near our gym. That was kind of our therapy. <laughs> and and, um, and as I was walking with her, kind of on the other side of that toddler chaos, toddler tyranny, I call it, you know, because it feels <laughs> like they're running your life. They have you by the tail and you've got to figure out how to get free and be the one that's leading and guiding again because it can get pretty intense. I said, I get messages all the time from moms that just want a solution. They just want to. And, and what I said was they just want to go back to where they were before this hard. But I think what they're missing in wanting to just regress back to the ease that they, whatever version of it that they had before, is that the Lord gave them this hard for a reason. And as I was able to see like how much less bothered I was by certain things after going through that for a year and a half than I had been before, how much less it phased me because the Lord had said, see, I with, I, I helped, helped you withstand that. I'm going to help you withstand the next round, you know, which is, going to look different. Sure enough, number six, right after them had his own set of issues that we went through (laughs) from ages three to five. And it didn't make me feel as much despair or just overwhelmed as I'd felt with the twins. Because that crucible of two little girls losing their minds all the time showed me in very practical ways, hard is not the same thing as bad. The Lord is growing me. He's teaching me. He's stretching me. He's making me rely on him. And I didn't want to go back. I really didn't. I thought this is so valuable. I wouldn't have chosen to do it this way. But if I can just convey to these moments in a phrase, and the phrase the Lord gave me was hard, it's not the same thing as bad, that there is a purpose for this, that the Lord has ordained this for you, that he has prepared you for good works in advance for this, that this is not pointless or random, but instead it could be for your great good and his glory. I think that women can start to stop despising the hard and it will completely change the way they mother. Like, Oh, this isn't persecution. This is an opportunity for growth. Oh my goodness. I, I can do this, you know, in God's strength. And I've coined that phrase. And again, lots of people use phrases similar to this. I'm not saying it's proprietary to me, but I'm kind of known for it at this point because I've been using it for eight years. Um, and when I said, Hey guys, what's the title of this book? They were like, heart is not the same thing as that. I was like, <laughs> you got it. You guys know you're tracking. So I started using it all the time and I, these messages flooded in. This is the one concept in motherhood parenting life that has actually shaped shifted something in my brain to make me view it from God's perspective, not my perspective. Because the world is telling us, if it's hard, don't do it. Get out of it. Find a way out. Find the escape. You time. You know, you you just take care of you first. Can't pour from an empty cup. Can't possibly function if you're overwhelmed. And the Lord says, I will give you more than you can handle. And you will only be able to do it in my strength. And that is the way it's supposed to be because you are not enough. You are not worthy. It is not about you. It is about my glory and my work in you. And in the process, you will experience so much more joy than if you're just numbing yourself out all the time. Right. So to see that it had a practical impact, that it became people's family motto, that they wrote it on the back of their hand, that they their kids tell them, mom, remember, heart is not the same thing as that because they've been changing it to their kids has just been incredible. And then to see the response to the pre-order 
we made it up to number four on all books on Amazon. Wow. All books for this little Christian mama book. Like what? What in the world? How that shows me people are desperate for something other than this narrative that you're a victim of your circumstances. Therefore, you must escape them, which is honestly hopeless, ultimately. So that's kind of my heart in that. And it's been going on for almost a decade. That's amazing. Yeah, it is. It really is basically hopeless if you don't if you don't have the right place to put your to to fix your eyes. You yeah. know, we are told to to fix our eyes on Christ, on the cross, on, you know, doing what we have has such a higher purpose. Therefore, all of the the hard can fit in perspective. It yes. it's moving towards a goal. And that is a huge grounding and centering point. Yes. That I'm sure you discovered as you were going through all of this. Absolutely. And you have to have an internal perspective. I talk about a legacy perspective all of the time. If you think that what you're going through is finite, that it is like just something to be gotten through and checked off the list and you don't see a purpose for it, ultimately, you don't see how it is developing that character in you, which that you get to be a better mama for your children who then get to be influenced by that and hopefully be better mamas for their children after that that we are raising up souls and not simply little bodies and minds that are that are going to end when they die. We don't believe that. So with this world being what it is, which is like that, and then it's gone, we have to have an eternal mindset. Like you said, the author and finish of our, finisher of our faith, not the current like good time buzz of our faith. And when Jesus says, I've overcome the world in response to, in this world you have trouble, but be of cheer because I have overcome the world. It's not, I have overcome your present circumstances so that you can be happy. It's like the whole thing. We have to be able to sit back and say, this ultimately is an eternal struggle and it has eternal impact. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, even what you just mentioned there about being happy, it happy is not the same thing as joyful. You're not not always going to have the sense of, I am happy. I am so happy in this struggle. But you can have joy and joy yes. is indicative of growth that's happening in inside of you because it's one of the fruits of the spirit. Yes. So even in that perspective, it's a it's a different way of looking at it. And we have to preach truth to ourselves all of the time. I have practiced this so much and I'm not necessarily the most naturally emotional person. Um, I don't get deep in my feelings usually, but I'm capable of it, especially postpartum, especially while I'm pregnant. I mean, that's the only time I cry. My husband's like, hey, you know, bro, I'm going to have to, like, this is different. Something's real here. Something's <laughs> real here. That's right. So just five days ago, I remember this, this moment of being like, Lord, I cannot believe that I get to do this, that I get to be home so much of the time with my children. But I also, I had just gotten back from teach them diligently with my girls. I just got to work a merch booth with my girls and then go to the water park with them. And we were watching Beauty and the Beast in bed in the hotel room. And then I got to speak to women and dads all day long. And then I immediately got to go home with my family and be home with them on the Sabbath. And my heart was just so full of gratitude and like, who am I that I get to do this, Lord? And then yesterday, I didn't even have a bad day, but I was struggling anxiety and like negative thoughts, battling them all day. And but I was able to say, this is not truth. This is like, this doesn't, there's nothing wrong. This doesn't get to define me. So I had to kind of talk it through with my best friend, pray about it, do some exercise, you know, like do the things that I knew would help 
the practical things like boost the indoor fence, get my feet on the grass outside. Because I think there are really practical things that we don't need to just blow by and just say, Susie spiritual, I'm just going to pray it away. Sometimes there are very specific things the Lord has given us that will help us right in that moment. But when we say my emotions are the total sum of my experience, well, we're going to be like this all the time. Like it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. And it is like you mentioned, hopeless. Yeah, absolutely. And we also can't expect that just because we make it to the other side of a hard season, that there won't be any more hard. In fact, we can expect the opposite. We can expect, we don't wait for the other shoe to fall, but we are, we are aware that we have promised trouble in this world. We're not promised ease. Right. But as we are getting to those future difficult seasons, we have this whole we, we have this whole bag of, of new things that we've learned, yes. of new ways that we've grown that we take into it. And so our experience in that that next season will be different. And God will stretch us in different ways because he's, he's still growing us. Yes. But that he's so faithful to let us build on what he's already taught us. A hundred percent. I say that all the time. He's so faithful not to leave us where he finds us. Yep. And you're right. Like just in kids struggles in my life, not one single one of them has looked exactly the same as the other one. Yeah. Like I feel like how many different flavors of this are there exactly, Lord, you know, <laughs> but, but each one teaches me something different and works a spiritual muscle a little bit differently or sometimes a physical muscle. But I think that's on purpose. The Lord is gracious to do that. Not, not unkind. That's not unkind. That's kind of him to keep pushing us. It is. It is. He is always only good. And, you know, I am, I am significantly farther along in my mothering journey than you, but we have seen that that chaos and stuff we had, we had our first three were three to newborn. So yeah, all right there, super tight. So all of that chaos. And now we've got three young adults who are preparing to get married. We've got all of this stuff going on. It's intense. It's good. I mean, by God's grace, they love God. They love people. They're, they're seeking to follow him. But the intensity is just different. There is still a stretch and God still brings us to our knees in incredible ways day in and day out. So we never, ever lose our our understanding of our reliance on him. That's it. That's it right there. We would be foolish to ever get to a point where we think, okay, I have this figured out because we would maybe think that we don't need him, but we would be wrong. Right. Right. And as soon as we start thinking we don't need him is where we really see things start to fall apart because we start going our own way, walking in our own wisdom, doing often taking paths that seem easier that take us to places we just don't want to go. 100% agree. Well, Abby, I am so thankful that you joined me today. It has been a great conversation. Before we go, though, I want you to tell everyone where can they find your book and also your other you have your previous book as well, Am This for Mama? And then where can they connect with you if they have not yet followed or connected with your podcast or whatever? Yeah, so I hang out mostly on social media on Instagram at m.is.4.mama. You can find me on Facebook at Am This for Mama as well. Um, I'm on YouTube, but mostly I'm just now posting podcasts. You can find my podcast, which is also called Am This for Mama. We try to keep it simple. And I'm online at msformama.net where I have about 700 blog posts that you could go through about any number of topics birth stories and chores and little homeopathic tips and mom hacks and all kinds of stuff that I did for a long time before I started microblogging. 
And my first book is called MS for Mama, A Rebellion Against Mediocre Motherhood, kind of lays the groundwork for like, we are not going to go with the culture and what the culture says about kids being a burden. And that is available anywhere books are sold. And then my second one is coming out on September 5th. Hard is not the same thing as that, but it's available for pre-order now. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much. And thank you for being obedient and allowing God to use you to get our attention about countercultural parenting and making sure that we are raising our children biblically and fixing our minds on things above rather than, you know, really focusing on the circumstances that we may be encountering. Well, it's a really huge privilege. And I don't say that lightly. I That other day when I was just like, I can't believe I get to do this. That's pretty much how I go through my days. It's been a really good, big gift in my life. Yep. I can imagine. I can imagine. Well, thank you again for joining us and everybody else. Thank you all so much for joining us as well. Remember, the gospel begins right in your home. And one of the ways that we can infuse our homes with the gospel is to allow these difficult circumstances, these things that we deem hard to grow us and bring our children along as we're growing. We can't hide these things from them, but we can show them how God is using them to mold us and shape us and really enlarge him in their vision as well. So I encourage you to go out, look at how God can use your circumstances today. And I look forward to talking to you again real soon. Thank you for joining me today. It's my prayer that every episode of the Homeschooling Families podcast helps to strengthen your family by giving you biblical and practical ways to raise your children and educate them well. We'd love to engage with you more. So check out teachthemdiligently.net to find out about the resources and experiences we offer Christian homeschooling families like yours all year long. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and a whole lot more. 